Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey that the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the odd man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. And you start looking at just the influence from, you know, the Jewish Hollywood <laughs> propaganda machine. That's another thing. They control porn. What did Larry Flint, not Larry Flint, the other one, um, Al Goldstein, what did he say? He, the reason he started porn? Because he hated Christians. He hated Christ. He thought Christ, he thought Christ was, was a piece of garbage. So he wanted to, um, he, he started porn to undermine them. Mm-hmm. There's a reason porn's free. Yes, absolutely. If, if I did a YouTube video and I decided to use, say, an Aerosmith song in it, Within a couple seconds, the algorithm would pick that up and would either demonetize my video or shut it down. Okay. You're telling me their algorithm can't pick up and shut down porn all over the internet. Mm. It's free for a reason. Yeah. Because it destroys it destroys our minds. Absolutely. And they they clearly Jews brag about the fact that they are the pioneers of porn. Ron Jeremy once said, they asked him, he said, well, why'd you become a porn star? He goes, I get to fuck Catholic girls. I've got a show in the, one of these days I'm going to do, I've, I've got all the information to back up exactly what we're saying with all the names, companies, all that stuff. And um, there's no doubt about it. I think there's a book called The Smut Peddlers. I've hmm. never picked it up, but it's, I think it has a lot of that information in it. And um, yeah, definitely... There's no doubt. I mean, like you said, we live in their world and people have no clue. And, you know, one of the things that drives me crazy, especially right now with all the things that are going on, you know, they've got to push through that whole idea that the Muslims are savages. You know, they're just savages. They're, uh, you know, we're the civilized people. And then you look at what they have done 
to all the Palestinians over the years, just massacring them. And you realize, of course, they're savages too, but you can go fur- further back than that, like we're talking about the Talmud. And, you know, you don't even have to look that hard to start finding all these horrible, inhumane things in the Talmud. It's not even that when you think about it. Okay, so Israel comes into existence in 1948. I don't even like calling it Israel. I just call it Palestine to piss people off. Um, Zionism is created in the eight, in the 19th century. Strangely, so is dispensationalism. Yeah, I wonder how that happens. Um, so the question is, and, and you got to love the lie that that land was empty. Oh yeah, a land without without a people for a people without a land. Okay, sure. Okay, so when in the Jewish virtual library, when it says you moved out 750,000 people out of there and something that they term the Nakba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those people yeah. weren't there. 750,000 people in a little in, in land the size of Rhode Island, which is population a million. Okay. Um, look, ask this question. How violent was that area of Palestine before the Jews started showing up? You know, hardly any problems from what I've read. They were basically Bedouins. They were basically farmers. They, you know, they, you know, a lot of a lot of herders. There was violence over the centuries. There's violence everywhere over the mm-hmm. centuries. Yeah. But when you look at what, when you look at the what's happened since 1948, and basically, yeah, and I'm of the opinion that they, I'll just take this from a purely realistic, um, worldly. They probably either should have killed all those people or killed all the Palestinians already or moved them out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm of the opinion they keep them there and treat them like shit so that they'll react so that they can continue this pattern of always being the victim and always playing the victim. Their victimhood is their power. Yes. I mean, their, their victimhood yes. is their power. That's why they had to come up with that narrative in the 1940s about something that was absolutely scientifically impossible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's scientifically impossible. But, you know, once you start breaking it down and everything, people start going crazy because they think that, well, I mean, I was taught this in school and I've always been taught this and you saw it in movies. Well, you didn't see it in Schindler's List, did you? When those showers came on, water came out. So what is, is Steven Spielberg a Holocaust denier? Yeah. Yeah. And what they didn't what they didn't tell you in that movie? Here's something for anyone who saw that movie and was like, oh my God. Cried. This is terrible. Yeah. Ray Fine's character, I can't remember his name right now. I, I I know the name of the the guard, the German guard that he played. Yeah, he was arrested by the SS for brutalizing prisoners. He was arrested by the SS for brutalizing prisoners for um and he was he had he had taken some of their belongings he was really bad with um keeping records and everything but they they just they arrested him he was in jail the ss put him in jail because he was too brutal to prisoners you know it's really weird that they would do that right it's really weird that they would do that and you know that's on wikipedia you can go to his Wikipedia page and find that out. Well, why would, why wasn't that included in the movie? Right. Yeah. Be, I mean, we're beat to death with Holocaust movies. You know, every couple of years there's a new one. And uh, I know my kids, you know, it's every 
couple of years. They have to read a book about the Holocaust. Virtually know nothing about what happened under communism, you know, the deaths under all the various communist regimes. And that's that's purposeful, obviously. And you they, you got to be reminded constantly, we're the underdogs. We've always been picked on and, and it could happen again, you know. And well, it's, you know, it's, I, um, I just looked up his name. His name's Eamon Goat, A-M-O-N-G-O-H-T-H. Just anyone listening to this, go to his Wikipedia page and read. I mean, that's it, not in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and yeah, I mean, the Holocaust narrative is something that is just, um, you know, as E. Michael Jones says, it is, it stops, it stops conversations and it's track. Anthony Blinken, I mean, he's the secretary of state. He has given like he was being questioned and um no it was um who who was it, it was um the, the attorney general because the whole government is jewish yes biden's whole government is jewish um the attorney general merrick garland mm-hmm. he was being questioned about the treatment of january 6 you know how how are you are, are you um or no how, how he was um targeting Catholics who were protesting at abortion clinics. And he said, how dare you? I had relatives that died in the Holocaust. And if you remember the truckers rally up in, um, in Canada, mm-hmm. one of the members there said, honk honk is code for Heil Hitler. And I had members that I had family members that died in the Holocaust. Well, as soon as they say that it's right conversation over, right? Right. It's like you can't. I mean, this is the eternal victim. You can't attack. You can't attack a victim. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean, look, I survived the Holocaust. You know, I think we've all survived the Holocaust. Right. right. And the only question is, are we going to survive the Holocaust narrative? Yes. Yeah. Because I don't know that we can. I, I don't know that. Uh, maybe you know, it's like watching Ben Shapiro. I mean, who's either completely lost his mind or he is trying to egg people onto anti-Semitic violence, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. you know, post up a picture of Auschwitz. I mean, he didn't post a picture of the swimming pool or the, um, you know, the tennis court or anything like that from Auschwitz, just the outside of Auschwitz of course, um, and the fake chimneys or anything like that, you know, saying never again. It's like, yeah, this is, this is a place where they had a plaque at one point that said 4 million Jews died here. And then they changed the plaque to one million Jews died here. And you're like, huh, so you just, that's three million, right? So the number is six, three million, not six million. No, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty stupid, but you know, I, mean, I, can, <laughs> I, I can do simple math you know, and go, all right, well then if those three million didn't die there, where did they die, which camp? Dachau, Dachau, Treblinka, Treblinka, where they said that at the end of the war, they dug up 900, you know, 250,000 bodies and burned them. 250,000 bodies. I mean, you know how long it takes that to burn when you don't have industrial ovens? Right. Uh, what I think is it seven, like 17 years. It was, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. What, yeah. what are we doing? Why are we, why are we putting up with this? And that's just the question now is why are we putting up with these lies? And why are we putting up with the fact that they can use these lies to just control us and have power over us and shut us up mm-hmm. and kill us? I mean, there there's 16 countries in Europe where you, you get criminally prosecuted if you deny the Holocaust. 
And it's not only that you deny the Holocaust. You can say, because they define it as the systematic um, extermination of 6 million Jews. So you can deny the Holocaust in Europe and go to jail by saying, oh, I believe 6 million died, but it wasn't systematic. It was disease. Okay. Or you can say, I believe there was a systematized um, Holocaust, but it was only 5 million. You can go to jail in 16 different countries. And people have. David Irving went to, uh, Ernst Zundel has been to jail. In Canada and Israel is another, two other places where it is illegal to deny the Holocaust. How come you can't, how come you don't go to jail for denying the Armenian genocide? How come you don't go to jail for denying the Holodomor? Guess who perpetrated both of those? I'll, I'll, I'll okay. It's time to <laughs> time to shut up now. Right. Yeah, and you notice like um, the the movement in the last few years. You know, they change what anti-Semitic speech supposedly even means. Uh, you know, you saw DeSantis signing legislation supposedly to make it more strict to criticize. Ooh. You know, they say Ron the Zionist. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you know, I used to, I stood up for that guy for what he did during COVID. Yeah, I promoted I mean, that guy. I said, Oh, he runs Florida like an autark. I mean, I think that's the best leader. The best leader is someone who just is like, oh, screw you. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do what's best for my people. Well, <laughs> sorry, but this is, this is a bridge too far. You don't go to a foreign country to sign a bill. Yeah. Right. That is basically going to, that basically means that, the leadership of a foreign country and their narrative now has control over your people. And if your people say anything contrary to that narrative, they go to jail. Governor of Iowa did the same thing too. She went to Israel and signed the same bill. Well, I know, uh, you know, of course, Trump signed some similar legislation and just recently, I think Biden signed some similar legislation. And I thought it was interesting too. I think two weeks before this whole new, you know, Hamas versus Israel thing, uh, the ADL had a huge meeting. I read it was the biggest meeting they've ever had in New York over what to do about so much anti-Semitic speech. And uh, so they are trying to make it where you cannot criticize anything Israel does, their government, their businesses. I think Jewish people in general, they're, they're trying to just totally outlaw it, just like what you were talking sure. about. And they're they're getting it done little by little in increments. They're getting it done, and I predict that you know at least half the conservatives will will back this, thinking they're doing the right thing. You know, and I mean, because you can kind of already see that happening with like uh, you know Marjorie Taylor Green is wanting those people at the uh, you know, the what they're calling. Uh, I think I read even on Infowars today they were saying they are uh, terrorist sympathizers. And there may be some there that are protesting, but the people I saw were just doing anti-war chants. So I think if you're going to paint everybody mm-hmm. as you know Hamas sympathizers, I think that's pretty dangerous. But you, you see what I mean? There, sure. It's it's no. I mean it's crazy. No, and um, you know, it makes sense. You know, people want to be good. People, I think people generally want to be good. And, you know, if they believe that somebody has suffered something, they want to be sympathetic to them and everything. But what if it's a lie? People lie. Yeah. And, you know, people say, well, but, but there were people there who, who who testified to things. Yeah, there was somebody who testified that there was like a bear and eagle cage that, you know, they, oh, they threw a Jew in and the bear tore, the bear killed killed them. And then the eagle picked it there. That didn't exist. 
um, gas chambers. I mean, I, I can I, I can tell you the truth of there was a, there was a gas thing, but it was it was ninety people. As horrific as that that is, um, and this guy it was a brutal, ridiculous. I mean, people. Here's the thing about it is when you say, you know, when you go into what they call Holocaust denial territory, they think you're saying that horrible shit didn't happen. Horrible shit happened. Amon Goat was a monster. There were people, there were, there were camps where people were put to death because of who they were, but not only Jews, gypsies, you know, Russians who have been caught. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this, this happened, but it wasn't a systematic, you know, it wasn't systematically targeted at Jews. Yes. There were concentration camps. They were work camps. Yeah. People died at them. Typhus was, there was typhus outbreaks all over the place. Zyklon B is an anti, is a anti, is a delasting agent. Okay. The United States used it, used Zyklon B for, for delousing. We used it. It didn't kill people. It can't kill people. It makes you sick. Can't kill you. I mean, I guess it could kill you if you inhaled enough, but it's definitely not the most efficient way. There were no masturbation machines. There were no, there wasn't a roller coaster. Um, that, I mean, there, there's a video on, uh, of, um, some Jewish woman who was saying that like every day for like a year, they came in and like uh, drove a nail, like a, you know, a four inch nail into her head. It's like, look, it was bad enough that you don't have to make shit up. Right. It was bad for a lot of people. If you want to talk about, if you really want to talk about Holocaust, I mean, Look how many Germans were basically murdered after the war just for being German right. after the war was over. Look at the mass rape campaigns by the Soviets. And yes, we know we know who we know who a lot of the Soviets were. And that's why they're when you go to Germany now, you see a lot of people who look classically German, but you also see a lot of people who look Slav. <laughs> I mean, Rape was basically uh, raping a German woman after the war was legal. There are pictures of women in being raped in the streets, mm -hmm. openly in the streets. They did it. Um, soldiers, um, Eisenhower was responsible for starving soldiers to death. Yes. After the war, um, there was many reports of. Um, Jews being um, released from camps and then when they were leaving, going with German soldiers out of the camps, following German soldiers out of the camps because they didn't want to follow the Soviets because they knew what the Soviets were doing. Like, like 90% yeah. of the things that, that the, um, the Germans were accused of doing on the Eastern Front were done by the Soviets. They raped, they, they killed whole towns. They raped women and children, women and children to death. Yeah. They were fucking monsters. And Absolutely. people don't want to talk, people don't want to talk about the fact that why, what was national socialism in Germany all about? It was anti-Bolshevik. And why did they have, why did they have the opinions of, why, why were there bad opinions of the Jews in Germany? Because they were overrepresented in the Bolsheviks. Yes. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, the, that's it. 
And let's not even talk about the let's not even talk about like the Havara agreement where Hitler did everything he could to try to get Israel founded in the 1930s. Right. Eichmann knew knew how to speak Hebrew, went back and forth to Palestine trying to help them out. He was known in the community as a philo-Semite. That's why when they put him on trial, he was in a glass they kept him in a glass enclosure so they can control his speech. When they caught him in Argentina, and I think it was in 1957, 1958, and they brought him to Israel. They brought him to Israel? I thought he committed his crimes in Germany and Poland. Why was he tried in Israel? Hmm. A lot of people believe he was tried and sentenced to death, so he would shut up. And he was one of the people who knew that the National Socialists and the Jews worked together to try to get Israel founded in the 1930s. Hmm. Yeah. Everybody knows Hitler came to power and um, made all political parties illegal, except for the NSDAP. Is that true? No. The German Zionist Party was the only other party that was legal. Why? Because he was working with them to try and get Jews out of out of Germany. What it stopped that? Yeah. What's what stopped that? England declaring war on Germany. Because Germany invaded a neighbor. Okay. Why did England declare war on Germany? If in, if Germany just invaded a neighbor, what, a thousand miles away from England? Come on. Come on. Come on. We see this now. Didn't we just see this in Russia and Ukraine? Ethnic Russians in a, na- in a neighboring country being murdered, bombed, destroyed, and then... The neighboring country decides, oh, we got to do something about this. Wow. And you wonder why they call him Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you see these patterns throughout history, you know, and it's, it's, I guess, most people just are not interested in history, so they don't see them, and they're so easily fooled by, you know, all the propaganda. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I'm sure you can attest to this, It's, it's like the more you learn, it's... I enjoy learning, but at the same time, the more you realize how much that there is that the people will never know. And so it's kind of like, wow, you know, um, there's no, you kind of feel hopeless sometimes because. You know, yeah, I mean, you do. It's because it's like you said in the beginning, if people do know history, they know court history. So to just get those people to believe revisionist history, that's why you're even better off talking to people who don't know any history at all. It's easier to get them to know. I mean, I wasn't really into history really in school. I mean, I studied it and everything, but just enough to pass tests. So when I did start studying revisionist history, it was very easy for me. And then I was able to look at court history and go, this just, I mean, this doesn't even make sense. Logically, it doesn't make sense. This doesn't match up with, with primary documents. You know, it's just a narrative. I mean, narrative is most important. I got a Substack coming out tomorrow. It's all about narrative. And it talks about, you know, how, you know, you have these countries, how many countries there are in the world where you can't deny the Holocaust or else you go to jail. And how the only way that you, how does this happen? Well, you have to be able to control the narrative. So if you control the press and you control education, it's easier to be able to um, get your way. So... It's one of the things that one of the things that people who care about the you know the true and the beautiful and you know who want order in this world 
you know, you have to worry, work on thinking about how you control the narrative and how you, um, how the narrative gets out there. I think people just don't realize that a lot of it is just, you know, influence. It's how much influence you have, but you know, nothing, it seems like nothing has really helped in history better than, uh, a good victim, you know, if you're always the victim, if you, you know, it's like, we suffered this, this. A lot of people have suffered a lot of things. You know, it's like whenever anybody talks about slavery reparations here, pretty much every people in the West have been enslaved at one point. You know, the United States didn't invent slavery. Right. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's insane. I mean, it wasn't even the United States when slavery was, um, was instituted here. And how did they know to institute slavery? I mean, slavery's existed since the beginning of slavery has been the default of mankind since basically mankind started. And it's a terrible form of labor. It really is. You know, people are, slaves are always just going to do enough not to get punished and, Slaves used to escape all the time, and they just run down to the run down to the you know visit a friend at the next um, plantation or some or you know there weren't a lot of plantations. That's a that's a total myth, but um yeah I mean the whole victim mentality is it's something that I'm trying that I've really tried to get out of my personal life is to any kind of victim mentality of oh this person that's why. And when I talk about Jewish and Zionist influence, people are always trying to say, well, yeah, you, you, oh, you blame the Jews for everything that goes wrong in your life. It's like, not at all. Not at all. I just look at the world and I look and I say, we had a, we had a country that was functioning really well up until a certain part. Sure, we had fights. We had a war. We had a big war. That may have been the beginning the beginning of the end, most likely it was the beginning of the end, but you know, there were Rothschild, there were Rothschilds here when that was happening. They oh, actually yeah. wrote, they actually wrote books about the war and finance both, you know, finance both sides of it. But, um, you know, and <laughs> Columbus's ships also had a lot of, um, people that helped finance and who helped finance. But the, um, yeah, I mean, we have to understand exactly what we have, you know, the, the, the version of ca- capitalism in any way, shape or form is Jewish. I've heard, I've heard people say in conversations, all capitalism is, is a couple of Jews arguing, um, everything, pretty much everything, the, um, you know, entertainment banking, the 1%, the government, I mean, look at the government now. I mean, was it like t- like eighty percent of his cabinet is Jewish? Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, how, yeah. It was how the does same this... with uh, yeah, I did a show recently on that. Same, I went with through the you know the main members of uh, Obama's administration and George mm-hmm. W. Bush's administration, mm-hmm. and you know Trump had a, his own fair share, of course, but uh, those three administrations, it was just like like you said, eighty percent and. You know, that they got us in the war on terror. And, you know, under Obama, you know, all we heard was how Obama was anti-Semitic because of the Iran nuclear deal, right? And, you know then, yeah. and then you look at all of his cabinet members, and they're all Jews. And so why weren't any of these Jews speaking out against that, you know? And then the same thing with this recent, you know, Biden is giving the $6 billion back to Iran, 
well, why would Anthony Blinken not speak up, you know, about that and, and all of his other appointees? So they, I believe, like you're saying, uh, I think you might have alluded to earlier, uh, they need an enemy, really, to kind of get the things done that they want to get done because not only do they make, you know, billions of dollars through the military-industrial complex, but um, what they can get done under the fog of war and the, the fog of the threat of war, you know, legislatively and business-wise, it's uh, it means a lot, and they have to have that to kind of get there, get what they want, you know. Well, if there's if there's peace for too long, people start wondering, eh, why do we even need these people? But as soon as they they create conflict, so that people run to them, they create the conflict, and then people say, you know, fix the conflict. It makes right. no sense. People are just completely out of their minds. They, they don't really realize what's going on. Um, so many of them, I mean, now, I mean, when I think about like, I'm, I'm old, I don't take prescription. I, I still don't take prescription medication. When you think about how many young people are on like SSRIs and, and are, are tied to it, it's, I mean, they had to do this. They had to make sure that people, were just docile, where they could control them, that they were tied to the system in some way, shape, or form. Everyone has to be a victim. Everyone has to be. And it's just, oh, man, it's really, it's, this is going to be a slog. This is going to be, this is going to take, I mean, unless, unless it all falls apart, unless there's like some grand awakening. And I, E. Michael Jones has a theory that that um, WASP elites right now are fighting against Jewish elites behind the scenes. Um, he thinks that when you listen to things like Tucker and like General Douglas Douglas McGregor, who are you know liturgical WASP elites, uh, elites um, old there, you know, McGregor went to the the best school, the best WASP school in Philadelphia. Um, good breeding Tucker the same. I mean, most people, I don't, I think most people know who Tucker's dad was. Um, And you listen to them talking about the neocons and the, you know, they're using every word they can up to even Zionist up to saying Jew. Mm -hmm. E. Michael Jones has this theory that there is a war going on with elites in the background. And I think that the more, I don't believe that the, um, you know, like we saw in in 2008, that if 80% of the country doesn't want banks to be bailed out, they're going to be bailed out anyway uh, because, you know, the people aren't in charge. And it's always elites. When you really study elite theory, Pareto, people like that, you realize that the elites are what moves things, what, what cause changes. Every once in a while, you might get a really bloody revolution and, Elites tech, typically don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not good for business. But if enough, I think there are a lot of elites out there who do that, see where the wind's blowing. And if they see the kind of level of how much people are waking up, especially on Twitter, because I think most people look at Twitter as like, a reflection of what the, what public sentiment is or what the, you know, the thinkers sentiment. I mean, there's a lot of people on there who aren't thinkers, but um, 
I think a lot of elites, if they see, well, people are really starting to push back and starting to wake up to the fact that Jews have all this power and that they control everything, then they might start making a play to turn that around and start taking that power away from them. And I think I saw a lot of it with Jerome Powell at the Fed. I mean, Jerome Powell is, I think, the first Gentile ever head of the Fed. And you know, he's pushed back to the point where, um, like, Janet Yellen, like, they, a lot of them hate him because he basically went to war uh, with a lot of, um, with the European Bank and the Rothschild Bankers and the World Economic Forum, which is all, all Jewish power. Um, and I, that was one thing that you saw that I saw that I was like, mm, it's interesting. And now when you see how the stuff that people are getting allowed are allowed to say in criticisms of Jews and Zionists openly on Twitter, there's something, it's hard not to think that there's something happening. And that it's not going to be done by the masses, but there are some people, really powerful people out there who have been biding their time to look and take people down and take back power. And um, I mean, I'm, I have hope for the future. I'm not blackpilled. I mean, I'm one of those people who say, I mean, I'm, I'm blackpilled in the short term, white-pilled in the long term. But some of the stuff I've been seeing lately, I mean, who would have thought you would openly have like Jewish question um, conversations on in public and on Twitter. I, mean, I don't think any of us who've been studying that for as long. I mean, I've been studying it for 25 years now. Um, I don't think any of us have uh, thought that we'd see that in our lifetime. And now we're seeing it. And we're seeing like Jews who were calling for the leveling of Palestine being attacked on mass. Yeah. On mass. And not only attacked, mocked. There is nothing worse than somebody in power, somebody who has influence, than to mock them. Yeah. You saw that. I mean, when you, the one that I remember is um, the, the first time I ever saw it in my life was, uh, it was uh, Ceausescu in Romania. He knew, his wife especially, because he was, he was already starting to, his mind was already starting to go Biden. Um, but his wife saw that that last speech that he gave that people started mocking him and she, and she likes like, no, you know, we're, we love you. We, we take care of you and everything. And it was like, Oh fuck. When they start mocking, when people start mocking openly, start paying, it's time to start really paying attention. It really is. Cause like I said, I didn't think I'd ever see this, ever see this, you know? And I mean, I can't believe my Twitter account hasn't gotten suspended. I mean, because I mean, I'm, I'm not, and it's not like I'm going out there and I'm just being like, you all should be, you know, I don't want anybody killed. I want, I'm, I'm literally one of those people who just really, like fucking Rodney King, I just won't really want everybody to get along. I know that that's impossible, yeah. but, um, you know, that's why I moved to a small town and live in a town of 2,500 now because it's a lot easier for 2,500 people. And, you know, basically my my section of the town, which is 100 people, is to get along easier than, you know, masses and masses of people. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just want, I'd really like to see people get along. I mean, I know it's impossible because of sin and things like that. But um, 
you know, the old, the old, um, what is it? Chinese thing. May you live in interesting times. Mm-hmm. Definitely right. living in interesting times. Yes, we are. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, we've gone almost three hour. I mean, an hour 20. Um, yeah, I'm glad three hours. I was going to say three. No, sorry. I'm going to be taking a bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this has been good. Thank you. Now, thank you for coming on, man. I, I've always wanted to talk to you, and I hope that we talk again in the future. And, yeah, I just I suggest everyone check you out. Check out your sub stack. I'll put all your show notes and uh, your websites in the, the description. But do you want to leave some uh, links that people can check you out? Yeah, um, well, I mean, any, anywhere, any podcast thing, which I can't believe I'm still on many of them, it, all of them is uh, the Pete Kenyana show. I've only had a couple episodes taken down and like the last one was like World Economic Forum related, just really weird. Um, but most everything stays up. Um, Pete Kenyana show, um, PeteSubstack.com, two S's, Pete Substack. And um, the Old Glory Club, a bunch of us um, content creators, quote unquote, got together to form a little fraternity. We do um, live streams and uh, we have a sub stack at Old, Old Glory Club and we still have a YouTube channel and still have a, a video monetized that I was on a couple weeks ago that I just can't figure out how we're still monetized because um, this was before, the, you know, the, well, this was while this was happening when this was from last week, I guess. Um and yeah, so, you know, I, I put out three episodes a week. I have an episode dropping tonight with, uh, Dr. Matthew Raphael Johnson, who has been in dissident circles for 40 years now. And, um, on the, on a century of Zionist violence, we're going to go over that. And, um, part four, Thomas 777. Monday, then next Wednesday is part three of my series on the trial of, uh, of, um, what's his name? The ADL, uh, Frank. Yeah. Leo Frank. Yeah. yeah, Be the last episode in a little series I did with a friend of mine who's a lawyer. And, um, we just studied up on exactly what, what the trial and the, um, aftermath and the appeals and everything look like and leading up to it. So yeah, got a lot going on and, um, you know, appreciate people listening and giving feedback. So funny because ever since this started, I've had people contact me, um, ever since this little war thing going, dude, I've pretty much almost stopped listening to you because, you know, you just mentioned the Jews so often. He goes, and ever, and people like ever since this started and I'm seeing the way they're acting is like, I, I really understand why you've been paying attention to that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> I've read books. I've, I've been looking at the last 2,000 years of history. And then you, you start to see notice patterns. See, two words right there, notice and patterns. Yes. But, but no, I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Thank you, man. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. And uh, yeah, have a great night, man. All right, guys, I think that wraps up this edition of the Oddcast. And I do suggest that you check out all of Pete's content, his podcast, his Substack, and any shows that he might have been a guest on. He's always got something very interesting to say. 
Now let's go ahead and thank my patrons. Thank you for supporting the show. And if you want to become a supporter of the Oddcast, go to patreon.com forward slash the odd man out. I want to thank Scott. I want to thank KF. I want to thank Cole. I want to thank that crazy bread man for being a covert co-conspirator. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Ruckus, for being a producer of the show. You can find The Daily Ruckus on alternatecurrentradio.com as well as find Ruckus all over TNT Radio. Thank you, No Evil Shall I Fear, for being a producer of the show. Thank you, Mark, from Housatonic.live. Check out all of Mark's work. He's done some great stuff on the COVID vaccines. Very, very detailed information. Thank you, Bill, for being a producer of the show. Thank you, James. Thank you, Kilowatt. Thank you, Sir Tim of the Tunnels. Thank you, Aaron. And thank you, Jack Allen, from Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence. Check out his show on all your fine podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. I also want to thank my podcasting family at alternatecurrentradio.com. Be sure and check out their flagship show, The Boiler Room, as well as all their talk and music shows. Also, thank you to FringeRadioNetwork.com for carrying the podcast. And guys, thank you so much for, again, taking the time to listen. Look forward to bringing you more information very soon. Cheers and blessings. And remember, their order is not our order. See you guys. Eichmann worked for a guy uh, uh, that the SS had a specific, quote, Jewish office. In other words, an office that specialized in messing over the Jews, okay? And the guy in charge of it was a guy named Baron Itzelder von Mildenstein, all right? So in 1933, the Zionists invited von Mildenstein to Palestine, and he was there as their guest for about six months, and then he went back to Germany and wrote up his visit in uh, Der Angriff, which was the SS, the leading SS propaganda journal, and they actually made a medal about the size of a silver dollar with a swastika on one side and a star of David on the other. Yeah, okay, as a commemoration of von Mildenstein's visit to Palestine. Now, Eichmann, as I say, he went to Palestine in 1937. He started as von Mildenstein's disciple. And von Mildenstein had Eichmann learn Hebrew, okay? Now, whenever I tell that to Jews, most of them burst out laughing because the one thing about Judaism that is least popular among Jews is having to learn Hebrew. You understand? So the idea of Eichmann, Adolf Eichmann, studying Hebrew sounds like a joke, you know, except that it was real. If I were a Jew, I'd be a Zionist. I am a Zionist. You don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist.